Welcome to the St. Matt's 6pm podcast, where you can listen to sermons from our evening service. Good evening, everyone. Uh, My name is Isabel, and I'm going to open God's word for us this evening. Um, We're going to start with a short excerpt from Ezekiel, chapter 20, verse 39 to 41. As for you, people of Israel, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Go and serve your idols, every one of you. But afterward, you will surely listen to me and no longer profane my holy name with your gifts and idols. For on my holy mountain, the high mountain of Israel, declares the sovereign Lord, there in the land, all the people of Israel will serve me and there I will accept them. There I will require your offerings and your choice gifts along with all your holy sacrifices. I will accept you as fragrant incense when I bring you out from the nations and gather you from the countries where you have been scattered, and I will be proved holy through you in the sights of the nations. If you turn with me now to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12, on to... Chapter 3, verse 6. Now, when I went to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ and found that the Lord had opened a door for me, I still had no peace of mind because I did not find my brother Titus there. So I said goodbye to them and went on to Macedonia. But thanks be to God who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession and uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To the one we are an aroma that brings death, to the other an aroma that brings life. And who is equal to such a task? Unlike so many, we do not peddle the word of God for profit, On the contrary, in Christ we speak before God with sincerity as those sent from God. Are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or do we need, like some people, letters of recommendations to you or from you? You yourselves are our letter, written on our hearts, known and read by everyone. You show that you are a letter from Christ the result of our ministry, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Such confidence we have through Christ before God, not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter but of the spirit, for the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. Thank you. Good evening, everyone. 
It's uh, great to be with you tonight. I want to start by talking about parking. But don't worry, I'm not going to shame anyone with bad parking photos. Uh, Rather to talk about an occasion just recently where I met my daughter in a car park. And I know that might sound a bit dodgy, but there were no brown paper bags exchanged or anything like that. Instead, as I went into that car park to wait for her to turn up to the place we were, I got to watch her brilliantly and confidently pull off a neat, tight reverse park. It was amazing. And for me, it was a proud dad moment. Hours of instruction resulted in her having confidence to confidently park her car in reverse in a tight car spot. As 2 Corinthians continues, Paul asserts that his confidence for competence in ministry comes from Jesus Christ. And as such, the apparent charge that's been laid against him of being fickle and double-minded, perhaps of being unfit for ministry, is shown to be untrue. Paul explains that rather than being flaky in not going to see the people at Corinth, He was gospel-minded in his decision to go to Macedonia. Even though we're told that he had an open door to preach at Troas, he didn't stay there. And that wasn't because the gospel was unimportant. It wasn't because the people of Troas were unimportant. He could see a need there. But rather we're told that he had no peace of mind at Troas. He was concerned about his co-worker, Titus. Titus, who had been down at Corinth trying to sort out some of the mess uh, at Corinth. He was worried about the church of Corinth and his heart yearned for them, hence he had no peace. He'd expected to meet Titus in Troas, but Titus wasn't there and he couldn't rest. And so the priority of Paul wanting to meet up with Titus and wanting to hear about the church of Corinth led him to Macedonia where he hoped he would meet Titus. Now how on earth all this works without GPS tracking or find my friends is just like crazy. I'll just go to Macedonia and surely we'll bump into each other over there. But apparently that is what happened. Because 2 Corinthians chapter 7, we'll get there in a little while, tells us that Paul did meet Titus in Macedonia. And there he heard a heartwarming report about the church in Corinth. And so in all of this, Paul discovered that even while his plans were thwarted, God's purposes were being outworked. That it was God that made him competent. And that gives him confidence for his ministry. It's not about Paul and his plans, but Christ and the work that Christ is doing. Paul reminds us in this passage that we too have reason for confidence because of what we have heard, what we can smell and what we can see. So let's have a think about those three senses. In verse 14, Paul reminds us of the celebratory noise of Christ leading the triumphal procession. 
Now, the picture here would have been obvious to those in this day. The Roman procession, uh, once an emperor had had a victory or a king had had a victory, they would triumph through the city streets with massive fanfare. And the citizens would, would uh, meet the Roman emperor enthusiastically and with much noise. Something perhaps, probably the closest thing we have to it is a ticker tape parade. Christ's victory procession started with his resurrection. But we're told that his triumphal procession keeps going. In fact, we're told that Jesus always leads us in the triumphal procession. Christ's victory is for all time. Unlike a ticker tape parade where perhaps we welcome back a World Cup winning team, maybe the Socceroos one day, but anyway, imagine that. Imagine the noise we would make, right? That would be amazing. But then what happens four years later? You've got to go and defend your title. Scripture tells us, Paul tells us, Jesus always leads the triumphal procession. There's no more title defense needed. His victory is for all time. And because his victory is all time, for all time, we can have confidence in our competence for ministry. When I talk about ministry, don't hear me talking about you know, paid ministry, the stuff that Ron and Chris and Steph and others who are on staff do. It's the ministry of all of us that I'm talking about, the ministry of reconciliation that Paul talks about in another part of Scripture. Back to this analogy. Notice that Paul talks both of himself and of the Corinthians as captives. Captives. Captives in the Roman procession. Now, those captives are dragged along in this procession. There's a show of power. It's like, look who we've defeated, and they're dragged along behind. That's who Paul identifies with. Not with the victorious soldiers, who would also be somewhere in the procession, but he identifies as a captive to Christ, the victor. As captives, the sound of the triumphal procession reminds us that Jesus is victorious, that no one can overthrow him, that he has defeated sin. Whatever sin it is, he has defeated it, that he has conquered death and that he will be victorious in gospel ministry even when plans change. Proverbs chapter 21 puts it like this in verse 30. There is no wisdom, no insight, no plan that can succeed against the Lord. The horse is made ready for the day of battle, but victory rests with the Lord. We can have confidence for our competence in ministry because Jesus has won the victory. We can hear it. We can hear the sound of the triumphal procession that Jesus leads, but we can also smell it. Verse 15 tells us that we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ. Now, for many years, Julie and I ran week-long youth camps, and we loved doing that. It was awesome. But on those camps, as many of you would know, you separate the boys' cabins and the girls' cabins. You do that for all sorts of practical reasons. But by the end of the week... A certain smell lurked around the boys' cabins. It may not be actually what you think it is at first. What it was, 
was Lynx deodorant, the deodorant preferred by teenage boys, or at least back then. They piled it on, like literally, I think they bought like 10 cans each to camp. They piled it on to cover other odours. The aroma of Christ isn't something we put on, not like deodorant. Rather, it's something that exudes out of us, and just bear with me for a moment. It's more like the whiff that you smell on your body after you've had a garlicky meal. You know the one? Yep. It's the aroma, though, of garlic, not yourself, that you're smelling, just as this aroma is Christ's aroma and not ours exuding from us. Now, to some, there was a beautiful moment in the morning service this morning when I talked about garlic. One person went, ooh, and the other one went, mmm. And I was like, that's perfect because the aroma of garlic to some is a beautiful fragrance, while to others it's rank. And so it is with the aroma of Christ, we're told. The aroma of Christ to some is the smell of death, but to others it's life. Grace smells but not everyone likes the smell of grace. To some, it's the aroma of death. Why is that? Grace cuts across our sense of self and pride. It says we can't do it by ourselves, and not everyone likes that smell. Grace invites us to put Jesus first and not ourselves, and not everyone likes that. Grace requires humility to be received Grace invites forgiveness instead of hanging on to bitterness. And not everyone likes that smell. Grace longs for justice rather than stands firm on my right. And not everyone likes that. To some, the aroma of Christ doesn't smell great. It's like the smell of death. And worse, unfortunately, to those who resist grace, It is the smell of death. But for others, the aroma of Christ is the smell of life. Its fragrance allures us. Its fragrance draws us in. Jesus himself allures us. Now this talk or this concept of being the aroma of Christ can feel a bit overwhelming. And if it does, Paul is in your corner. Look at what he says next. Who is equal to such a task? How can we be the aroma of Christ, he asks. We can get all worked up about what we smell like. So, to sp- I mean, we can get worked up about what we smell like. Maybe some of us should get more worked up about that, but we'll leave that aside. We can get worked, out about what the aroma, worked up about what the aroma of Christ is like, how we ensure that we're the pleasing aroma of Christ But actually, as soon as we start doing that, we start spraying deodorant around effectively. We start putting on our own odours. Maybe we put on the odour of self-righteousness. Or maybe we put on the odour of entitlement as Christians. Or perhaps we just have that odour of, I know better than you. I've got my life together. Whatever odour it is, if we put on our own odour rather than trust the odour of Christ in us, we, we uh, get into all sorts of problems. Earlier this year, I found myself falling into a trap like this. 
I noticed that I was feeling pressure that when anyone new turned up, that I, particularly in our morning congregations, that I should be able to sell St. Matt's to them. That I should be able to tell them why this is a great church for them to be part of. And look, I do want to tell them why it is a great church, because it is. But the pressure to sell was trusting me, not the aroma of Christ in me or the aroma of Christ in us. I was spraying around some other deodorant. I prefer to think it wasn't Lynx, but I was spraying something else around. I was in danger of peddling the word of God for my own gain. The remedy, Paul tells us what it is here. Be sincere. Be confident in competence in Christ rather than ourselves. Let Christ permeate from within rather than spraying some other deodorant around. We have confidence for ministry competence because Christ's aroma comes from us. If you are in Christ, his aroma comes from you. Well, this leads to the final way we recognise confidence for ministry competence. And that is because we see lives transformed. It seems like there was some suggestion that Paul should have some sort of letter of commendation that he could give to the people of Corinth so that they knew that he was actually competent in what he was doing. And perhaps it was that the super apostles had been uh, getting these letters together. Now, there's nothing wrong with a good reference letter, but a reference letter only tells you so much. It only tells you what the writer wants you to know. And often the best way to read a reference letter is to look for what's missing in the letter rather than what it actually says. But regardless, Paul says, I have no need for such a letter. I don't need someone else to write in ink that I'm competent. Because he says to the church of Corinth, you, your lives, your transformed lives show the competence of the ministry that I've been conducting. You are a letter, he says, not from me, but a letter from Christ himself, written by the spirit of the living God. There is evidence of competence. Their transformed lives are evidence of Paul's competent ministry. But Paul would be quick to say, it's not mine. Neither is it the super apostles, neither is it anyone else coming with some fancy letter. It's Christ in you that brings the competence. Jesus has transformed them. He's all that they need. He's all that anyone needs. Jesus gives Paul confidence for ministry competence. Not of himself, but in Christ, God has made them competent. And just notice this as we start to wrap up. God has made them competent as ministers. Not will not is making, he has made them. What liberation for Paul. In being captive to Christ, he didn't have to prove himself. Rather, he just accepted that it wasn't about him, it was about Christ who was up the front 
leading the procession. That he was the one that was doing it all. That he had made them competent. And I don't think that Paul sees this as just applying to him or just applying to the ministry of the apostles. Because by his spirit in us, Jesus makes us competent for ministry as well. Our competence for doing the things that God wants us to do in our day-to-day life. Our competence for the ministry to our friends and families and work colleagues and neighbours that God puts before us isn't in ourselves, but comes from God in Christ. The spirit of Jesus in us is what makes us competent for the ministry he calls us to do. What we need to do is spend more time, I think, reflecting on what the actual reality is, on recalling again the sound of the triumphal procession, of remembering that Jesus always leads us in that victory, that we don't lead it, but we're captives in it captives to Jesus. We need to allow the smell of the aroma to permeate, whether it be for death or life, trusting it's Jesus' smell and not our own. And we want to let people see and read the transformation that Jesus has made in our lives. He has done it all. He has made us competent. Ministry competence comes from Christ in us. And when we want to do more than Christ in us, we are at risk of peddling the gospel by putting on our own deodorant again. We might wish for a more charismatic personality. We might desire a quicker mind or cherish greater emotional intelligence. But Jesus is all we need. If 150 hours and a few added years of driving can make my daughter, believe me, the first time we went driving, if that can make her confident for competence to reverse park her car, how much more the Spirit of God living in those who believe in Jesus makes you competent for the ministry that he calls you to. You don't need anything else. You can be confident for ministry because Christ is in you. So listen again to the sound of the victory march. Smell again the pleasing aroma of Christ amongst us and look again at the transformation that he has done in you and in each other. You don't need anything else. By his grace, Christ has made you competent for ministry of the gospel. Do you believe that? Do you believe it, actually? Will you allow that truth to transform you? Do you believe that you don't need anything as you walk out of this building tonight? That if you have Christ in you, you need nothing else to fulfill the purpose that he's called you to? And will you trust him in that? Because if we can humbly and courageously accept that truth, it is incredibly liberating 
personally and it's incredibly liberating for our church. This might sound a little bit strange and there's nuance, so listen for it. I am so grateful that COVID stripped programs and events away from churches because I think we became too reliant on them rather than reliant on Christ in us. Now, there's a place for programs and events. But what makes us competent isn't those programs or events, but Jesus in us. And our confidence shouldn't be in the next big thing that we're going to do, but in Christ in us. He is all we need. Well, who is equal to such a task? Not I, but Christ in me. Not you, but Christ in you. The Spirit of God who lives in us, who continues to change and transform us, he is equal to such a task. He gives us confidence for ministry competence. Jesus is our competency. Jesus is our confidence. Jesus is all we need. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, thank you that you are all we need for the ministry that you call us to. And, uh, yeah, sometimes we put other things there. Sometimes we think we need to know more, do more, have better, this, that or the other. And uh, I pray that you will just point that out to us again and again when we trust on anything other than you, anyone other than you, anything other than you. Lord Jesus, thank you that uh, your spirit lives in us and continues to transform us. May you be at work in and through us for your glory. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. St. Matt's West Penn Hills 6pm congregation is a collection of people who want to be changed by Jesus to have a deeper connection with God, deeper community with one another and deeper concern for our world. We'd love you to join us on a Sunday soon. For all the details, check out our website at stmatts.org.au and be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss a sermon.